When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen, and my law firm Brown & Crouppen sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown & Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. On KPNT HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. Am I doing yeah, I guess you're right. This week, Wednesday is sick. If you're watching on YouTube, you just noticed that uh, there's a hot boy in Iggy's chair, Doug. And his name's Mark Hanna of yeah, Evergreen Wells Strategies. That's I'm sitting over there. Online at evergreenstl.com. How many times have you gone to Grassi's in 2024? Uh, today's going to be the first yes. day. I haven't been there yet. Went to the shack a couple times with my family during the break. Mm, right by your pounds. office. Yeah, yeah delicious. Yeah. It's outstanding. First rate. Every time I or, I order Grassi's here, right here at this this station, and every time I go up, the owner will always say, I saw your order. Oh, they're really? so nice there. It's good to be known. So they're yeah. listeners of the program. There. Correct. Yeah, yeah I know correct? the owner for sure does. Yeah. Loyal. Very I go loyal. in, though, and they've all got a little smirk going on as if they know that there's something just not right about this program. Oh. Yeah, what, would, what would that be, Doug? Can't imagine. I don't know I think myself. he's currently looking for OnlyFans leaks mm -hmm. based on somebody who tweeted at Jeremy Rutherford about his appearance that you sponsor. Uh, and we haven't discovered whether or not she's real or not, but he did find a picture of her butt, he said. She's not don't forget, real. yesterday a sponsor went into a therapy session with Iggy about banging his aunt. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Title sponsor. What? Fact. Mm -hmm. uh, Design Air is the sponsor of the email today. It's coming your way at 945. So far, Mark, Buck Swope has won every email of the day competition in 2024, and we think he might run the table. I am voting mm -hmm. proactively emailer of the year. Buck Swope. Buck Swope. Wow. Really? No fooling. Mm -hmm. You ever yeah. send an email yourself? Uh, I got email of the day once. Wow, how'd that feel? Uh, it felt good. It felt really, really good. Thank you so much. I bet it did. Yeah. You had something to get off your chest. I, I did. I did. See it was I'm... about myself. <laughs> yeah, well, that would fit in. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I can't imagine what that. I see that the listeners are now tweeting at Laura, uh, who Iggy is. Poor guy. <laughs> Somebody asked her, have you ever been with a woman? <laughs> Doug, that was asked by C04665245. Yeah, trying desperately to hide his identity. Why wouldn't you? It's safer that way. Do yeah. not use your government name. Let's no. uh, bring Jeremy Rutherford on. He is presented every Wednesday at 9 a.m. by this gentleman right right here, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Well Strategies. Uh, good morning, uh, Jr. Morning, morning, guys. Mark, how you guys doing? Wonderful. Oh, Did you know that this Laura who responded to your tweet about your appearance on TMA, Iggy has discovered she has an OnlyFans account. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. And is currently you know looking her up. This started about a week ago, this Laura uh, responding to each tweet, which it's automatic. Like, as soon as I tweet something, it takes over. Oh, so this is, hold seconds. on a second, Doug, this might not be real. Furthers. Yeah, this is like an AI bot here. And, and what's uh, unique They're about this is usually, usually you get the bots that pop up after you tweet, but this one uh, grabs a few words from your tweet and actually makes a sentence out of it. So. Uh, <laughs> So for a second, I thought I did have a, a girlfriend going there. Now, Iggy looked her up and said he saw a picture of her butt, so she, he believes she's real. Must be real, yeah. <laughs> they don't have those sort of pictures out on the Internet. No, you can't find them anywhere. Post. <laughs> yeah, it has to be taken just a few moments ago. Yeah, it is. It's something that yesterday I think I went on 101 ESPN. She responded right away, hey, go on there and then spill a bunch of tea. So uh, she doesn't make complete sentences, but, uh, you know, <laughs> spill a bunch not of tea. <laughs> Is that a code word for something? Lean hard into this, Jr. You got to milk this for everything it's worth. Make it worth the while. Entertain the show. I was googling it to see if "spill the tea" meant something. But... Does it? Jackson. 
Oh, I should Jackson. Have he would, he Is would Jackson know gone again? Way. We're hearing rumors of Jackson resigning from the shows, Jr. So it might be something you might want to cover. Ronnie's management position <laughs> opened up, and he's hopping on it. <laughs> Jackson, what's up? <laughs> there he, he was. He wasn't yeah. there again. Yeah. So no. sorry. That time I was actually getting coffee. Um, what's the word? What, how about you get coffee on your own time and be here when we need you? I don't mean to throw any of our cohorts under the bus. Uh oh. But I spent most of my break doing Iggy's time card. <laughs> oh So I really, like, I, I really wanted to get coffee during the break. And again. Not and not making excuses, not throwing anyone on the bus. <laughs> but I heard you guys yelling at me in the break room. So oh. I was like, oh, I gotta come back. So let me go get my coffee and then oh, I can answer. Okay, okay. you left the coffee. Oh my right. gosh. That time card's gotta be wore out as much as I see Iggy outside smoking uh, <laughs> by the station. You see him there every time you come? Yeah, every time. I know. Yesterday. I know. I come walking in and I see his eyes light up and he knows. He gets to sit outside for a while. Yeah, he right. likes it. He <laughs> likes it when you and James Carlton come in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now Ed Herman and Andy Crouppen. He's a wise man. A wise he knows man. his stuff. JR, uh, the Blues with a bigger break here uh, than they had for uh, what Doug calls prominent winter holiday. Christmas. Uh, because uh, they uh, lost on both Friday and Saturday to the Avalanche and the Penguins. Don't play again until tomorrow night against the Canucks. Two different types of losses, though, I would say, to, in, in the Colorado one and the uh, in the Pittsburgh one. Uh, your assessment of those back-to-back games? Yeah, I think the Colorado game, guys, uh, played some pretty good hockey. Should have come away with uh, at least a point there, if not two. Uh, late goal by Colorado, so they lose that one. And then Pittsburgh, you know, I thought they played hard, and they're continuing to do some of the things they do, Tim, but just some glaring mistakes and the margin for error with this team isn't uh, very big right now. So they can't, you know, they can't afford the dumb penalties. They can't afford to hit the, the post four times and, and uh, can't afford to give up the PK goal. So uh, I think that things seem to be still trending up, even though they've lost a couple in a row, but they get this break. But guys, look at this uh, schedule coming up here. Uh, they're going to play Vancouver, the top team in the West on Thursday here at enterprise center. The next five opponents are Vancouver, as I mentioned, top of the West, and then the top four teams in the East, Carolina, Florida, New York Rangers, Boston. So some stiff competition coming up here. Uh, Laura, the bot girl on Twitter, would like uh, the stiff competition <laughs> reference there. Oh, nice, nice. nice. Yeah, you kind of weaved that in. Yeah, weaved it in nicely. Mm-hmm. Real nice-like. Yeah. You're kind of learning how the game works, aren't you, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> just the just show. Mm-hmm. Can't get away with that on other shows. <laughs> Stiff competition. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I haven't tried it yet. All right. Well, you may want to. JR, what do you think uh, of the evolution? Are you seeing any big changes in the messaging or how the new coach is approaching things with the team in preparation, especially as we come into a, a tougher stretch of the Blues relative to where they were before? Any big changes? Yeah, not in the necessarily the messaging, uh, Mark. Sorry to interrupt there, but I think the uh, I think fresh voice. You know, it's it's cliche, but it, it it it's a thing. It really is a thing. And so Drew comes in, and he's a fresh voice, and he's got the ear of some of these players. And I think uh, the other thing is, you know, you're always trying to impress the the new boss. And then the other thing is, I've noticed this over the years. You start to look at the standings as you get into January. Hey, what do we need to do? It's almost like players and teams measure. Hey, what do we got to do? You know, are we five points out? Are we three points up? What are we doing? And I think some of these veterans see that they're in the middle and still have a chance at that wild card spot halfway through the season almost, and, and they say that, hey, we can make the playoffs. So it seems you always seem to see teams pick up the intensity as you get around this time of the year. I know you had a good report with Craig Ruby. What is he doing right now? Is he still in St. Louis, moved out, or what's his routine now? As far as I know, um, I haven't spoken to him since I did that piece a few weeks ago, but uh, he was going back to Philadelphia to spend time with his uh, wife, and he's got two 15-year-old twins. And uh, when I asked him what was next, he said, we'll see. I had heard that uh, there were already two or three teams hot after him in terms of wow. coaching. I asked I asked if that would be a situation that could uh, you know, come to fruition this year during the season or if he'd wait till next year, and he said it depended on, on the situation. So like all coaches, he – what he told me was he's just looking for the best situation. So however long that takes to develop. Uh, Mr. Siders is sending in questions. We welcome you to send in questions as well. 314-881-285. Yeah, Doug, there are two-parters uh, oftentimes on this program. Isn't that fun that people send in two-part questions? It's a good time. Yeah. JR, really in your time. opinion, uh, does Bannister or Berube mesh better with the players this year? 
Also, a little birdie told me that the NHL is organizing a player and media wide all guy gangbang, and I no. was wondering if I could be your plus one. That's from Mr. Siders. Gosh. Is that true? The NHL. You don't have to answer these. You don't have to. Sweet. What's the date? Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go back to, to Drew and uh, Craig Bruby. You know, I mentioned uh-huh. uh, I think the fresh voice helps, but but also uh, you look at Drew. He's uh, he's a little bit younger, mm-hmm. 48 years old. He's been coaching the young players in the American Hockey League for the past several <laughs> years, and I think these players, some of them, a lot of them, who've uh, played for him, really relate to him. So I think that's a big thing. And. Unfortunately, I'm already taking uh, my brother as the plus one. Oh, oh, wow. That's creepy. What's wrong with taking it's your brother all, to a gangbang? It's bang? a boy-boy <laughs> thing. It's supposed to be brother-in-law. <laughs> God, I like that. Gosh. Uh, Doug, oh. just a brief aside, I, I'm digging into this Lauren. I'm starting to think she's not real. She's not real. I've Why? been retweeting a number of her tweets. Why does she have a sick grandma and looking for a GoFundMe? <laughs> Starting to think she's not real, so Iggy might have been duped. And she's in. She gets in arguments with Des Bryant. She really yeah, does. Yeah. He uh, he retweeted her one time, thinking yeah. she was real. Yeah. How about this? Not that I've looked into it or anything. <laughs> no. No. You probably shouldn't. Uh, JR, you know, this time was the time last year where the Blues had a big homestand, and that was kind of the do-or-die moment for the way Doug Armstrong and the organization would approach the deadline, and as things turned out, they died. Uh, Is there some kind of critical point in the season approaching again, this team in a better spot in the standings than that one was, but still, uh, you know, it's it's not like I think fans are sitting around thinking that this is a team with a super high ceiling at this moment. Of course, many will harken back five years ago when the team was, you know, sitting in Philadelphia and Gloria played, and six months later they're hoisting the chalice. But I don't think necessarily people feel the ingredients are in place for this one to go on that kind of a run. So uh, is are we approaching a critical point in the season for the determination of what they do? Yeah, I think so. I think last year at this time, uh, nobody had faith in this team going anywhere, you know, making the playoffs, you know, let alone if you did make the playoffs, uh, were you going to do anything? And I think this year, yeah, this is a critical time here. You sit, what, a couple points out of a, a wild card spot. It is possible to make the uh, the postseason, I think. But here's the way I believe Doug Armstrong's looking at it is, hey, we're going to put this lineup out there. If we can make some tweaks, we will. We're not going to do anything significant. We certainly aren't going to trade any assets or young players or prospects um, unless we don't see them in our future to make this team any better and hey if we make it we make it and you know we'll, we'll see what happens but I, I I think that there's more belief in this team in terms of a chance to make the playoffs maybe not do much damage but they're certainly not going to you know alter the future plans to make that happen so you don't think that if they are in a good position moving ahead that third spot that they were talking about before the season you don't think that they would be prone to try to move assets, trying to go, if not all in, more in? You think they're going to hold serve more than anything? Yeah, but I think that, you know, let's say they play pretty good hockey, and I mentioned, I mentioned that stretch that's coming up. It's pretty brutal. So, I mean, if you get through that and you've beaten a handful of those types of teams and you're in that third place slash wild card spot, then there's probably a little more belief than we're talking about here today and in, uh, in early January. Um, but, I mean, that's not going to lead to the Blues – and I know you're not insinuating this, but but trading one of these top prospects that they have coming up, I think, you know, maybe if there's a guy in Springfield, a Bull Duke, a Zach Dean, or, you know, a defenseman, somebody like that where they say, okay, we can part with this prospect and, and maybe a pick to get a little bit better and give ourselves a little bit uh, better chance in the playoffs. You know, maybe they'll do that, but certainly we're not going to hear names like Snuggerud, Dvorsky, those types of guys heading into the deadline. Other side of that, you think they'd be willing to sell if it doesn't go well? Yeah, I think that's possible for sure. That's probably actually a better, uh, you know, situation I think uh, that could happen. I mean, you're looking at some names. They tried to move Krug. It didn't work. You got Brandon Saad. He's a guy who maybe could help some some people. You know, the name that uh, everybody likes here in St. Louis in terms of a contract extension is Pavel Buchnevich. But, you know, what if he's looking for eight times eight? And at 30 years old, he's going to be an older player, and they feel like they're still in the retool for a couple more years, and they got young guys on the way. Do they, you know, if there's interest there, which there would be, would do they decide to part with him? I don't see that at this point, but I definitely think they have some names that if, if they're not there at the deadline, we could see a couple guys gone like last year. Could Stefan Richet be available? Oh, oh. Doug. <laughs> How about Michel Bunny LaRock? Remember him? Yeah. No, you don't remember. I, You're not old I enough for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, I just wanted to say the name. Kevin LaValle could skate a wing. Yeah. Uh, hey, JR, can you comment on the play of Robert Thomas? And can you also tell us if you prefer Doug's butt or Jackson's butt? Oh, no, you we don't have to answer. We can all agree both are very nice. That's from the Pope. Mm, awful. Butt sandwich. Awful. I've been doing this two years, and as you're reading the Robert Thomas question, I'm still looking for a punchline on that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Robert Thomas, uh, elite level, guys, this is the player that you'd hope he would be. Uh, I think he's uh, ascending that. Drew Bannister called him a, a star yesterday. Uh, you know, the one thing you talk about, everybody always wants to talk about points, but with me, with, you know, people who are, are covering the Blues, uh, you look at uh, all the check marks, defending the other team's best players, face-offs. You know, those are things that are so important, things that Ryan O'Reilly did that, that go way beyond the points, and, and I think uh, that uh, Robert Thomas has reached that level. You think we'll start to see more of Joel Hofer? I mean, his numbers are better than Bennington this year. He's played pretty well. You know, I think it's possible maybe in stretches. I don't think big picture we'll see, you know, Holford get, you know, 75% of the starts or anything like that. You know, I think Bennington, when he's on his game, and he has been a lot this season as the guy that they're going to go to, um, there has been a rough patch here lately where he let in some goals. And, you know, sometimes you can blame the defense, but I think a few of these are probably more on Bennington than they have been in the past. And, and so Holford did get a couple good starts and, and look great. So, you know, we'll see after the long layoff here. I think they'd go back to Bennington Thursday against Vancouver, but certainly a schedule is going to get uh, compacted and, and uh, pretty heavy down the stretch, so they use both of them. Jeremy Rutherford with us, brought to you by Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark is in studio with us, and you can find him at evergreenstl.com or 314-889-0503. Final question for you, and this is uh, Doug my own, and there is not a, a second part, to be real candid. Good. Uh, but I'm curious, what percentage would you allocate to Drew Bannister being the replacement, the permanent replacement for Craig Berube, and I realize Berube got the job because of the run that the team went on starting in January. His start wasn't great the first month and a half after Mike Yo was fired. Uh, Drew Bannister's has been fine, but it certainly hasn't been, you know, some kind of absurd run. Do you think that they are seriously considering him, or do you think that they are going to go a different direction? What I, what I think is this with the coaching situation with, with Drew is I think he has a good shot at the job. I think if he continues to put in, you know, some, some good work here where you see the habits start to turn and, and they start to do some things on a more consistent basis, which we have seen. You know, forget about the wins and losses. I mean, they're doing some things better. Even though the power plays let them down a few times under Drew Bannister or some movement, you know, they could, they could shoot more. Um, I think that if there's a no-brainer out there, and I'm just throwing out names here, uh, Joel Quinville, um, you know, I know that uh, Rod Brindamore has a, has a foundation there in Carolina and isn't likely to leave, but he doesn't have a contract, so anything's possible. If there's a no-brainer contract out, uh, candidate out there where Doug Armstrong can say, look, there's no way I could look away from this guy, then I think he's going to go that direction. But I think, meanwhile, as he continues to watch Drew Bannister, just as he watched Craig Berube in 2019 turned things around. I don't. We're not going to get to that level where you turn things around and you're playing for a cup this year. Uh, but I think if what he wants from Drew Bannister, accountability and compete, continues to 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 show up, uh, I think that he's got a real good chance. And the one thing I keep going back to Tim is this: not only do they need a guy who wants and can help the team win now, uh, but they have to have a guy who can groom these young players coming up through the system. That's the future, and that's what Drew Bannister has done the past, what, five, six years in this organization with a lot of these young players. So I think that's what gives them some legitimacy. There it is. Jeremy Rutherford every Wednesday at 9 a.m., presented by Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you, Jr. Thanks, boys. Talk to you next week. All right, Jeremy Rutherford and Lisa, his friend from uh, the Twitter tweets. Laura. Is it Laura? It was Laura. Yeah, she can't reel it. Oh, Laura. What? Hold on a second. (laughs) I Is she changing it by the minute? <laughs> it's Laura. Doug's right. Mm. <laughs> All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Wow, Hawk, I see you just tweeted something. Oh, is this just like a take? 
Jalen uh, Milrow over Cook is wild. You put Cook on Bama last night. They win that game. Who's Cook? Who are we talking about here? Brady Cook. He oh, said, Brady Cook. I was thinking, what about the low snap? Like, I don't think Brady Cook would have with that O line. Is that a Mizzou fan guy or is it? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look at who it was. I just saw the tweet and had He's no He's in St. Louis. I mean, I'm not saying Milrow played well, but Cook at 112. And I, I'm a Brady Cook guy. And everybody wanted Sam Horn. You remember who wanted Brady Cook, and that oh, was yeah. me. So I'm not bashing Brady Cook, but Milrow wasn't the whole problem there for Alabama. I think the offensive line, the center mainly. Yeah, I mean, Milrow did have a fumble. Michigan's but Michigan's defense were able to, to do what they did. And, yes, the center had issues. I mean, if that were Missouri, I'd be freaking out because we yeah. still talk about Tollison's snap mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Cook against LSU. Uh, I guess this came from a tweet in which they ranked the SEC quarterbacks mm-hmm. this year. I don't know who would disagree with Jaden Daniels being number one. Jaden Daniels was the best player in college football, period. Carson Beck, two. I think it's up for grabs after that. Jackson Dart, three. Jalen Milrow, four. Brady Cook, five. Spencer Rattler, six. I think it was a good top five. I just, when I read the tweet, it wasn't the fact that Milrow's ahead of Cook or whatever. I, I mean, it, that doesn't matter to me. The fact that you think Brady Cook would have changed the outcome to that Alabama game, it wasn't a quarterback issue. As a casual, as a very casual, Tim, you talk about the casual fan mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Mizzou. And yeah. Mizzou season brought me in. I was watching the games. That's I the name of the game. It. Absolutely. I reflect to earlier in the season when you heard everyone who was on the inside saying that Brady Cook is the real deal. And on Chase the outside, Daniel. Chase Daniel. Chase, Daniel Chase Daniel's it. the one yep. where I go, okay, he's not. he doesn't need to. You know, it's one thing if you got a guy who works for the university saying something, you go, okay. It's, it's it's in one ear out the other. I think even audience members know that. I'm not saying like audience isn't as sophisticated as us media people. We're the ones who made the bad career choice. Mm-hmm. But we also kind of know that the song and dance that guys have to say certain things. Well, they don't have to, but they do because they want the paycheck. Chase Daniel didn't need a paycheck. My God. I mean, that guy's sitting on nine figures net worth, and he's probably still in his 30s. And never got hit. And never got hit. I mean, he's in a great spot. And he his... I think, and the thing that, that, that Missouri fans, and now, the, I, the thing about him getting booed at the K-State game, I'm still skeptical of that, but whatever, it's neither here nor there. Some fans say he wasn't booed. Drinkwitz was booed because of the Middle Tennessee State game the week before, and Drinkwitz was just doing performance yeah, art. Call that what it is. Well, yeah, so whatever. Neither here nor there. For some Missouri fans who aren't anti-Cook, the thought process was, Sam Horn would be a higher ceiling ceiling. Mm -hmm. than Brady Cook, but he also would have a lower floor. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the discussion that I recall at the beginning of the season. But I don't know who could have possibly seen what you saw coming from from Cook and Schrader. And if anything, I would say in the second half of the season, Luther Burden, who I think was hurt, but was underwhelming. You know, I mean, and and that's not a shot. I just don't think he Luther Bird in the first half of the season against Kansas State and against LSU in particular was Heisman Trophy-esque. Now he wasn't getting that attention because nobody was paying attention to Missouri at that time. But holy crap, they were just throwing it up to him left and right. Mm -hmm. As the season progressed, you had weapons. Uh, they really diversified their weapons at wide receiver. And, And Luther Burden, I don't even think he caught a ball until... The second half, I think, maybe he caught one right at the end of the first. One half. short little pass at yeah. the end of the Cotton Bowl for a yard or two. So I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know what the deal with that. But was. all of these things are reasons why you look at, and obviously there's a lot that needs to evolve. You saw Brady Cook finally figure it out, and hats off to the guy. And you love to see it as a as a casual fan. See a guy f- go from trying to figure it out. Obviously, he had the pieces. Chase Daniel saw it. The coaching staff saw it. And then to be able to pull that together and then do what he did in combination. It's a team sport in combination with these other guys. And, and I think of uh, Luther Burden. He's hurt, but yet he still found a way to contribute. Imagine when he has oh, I know. health and what he's going to be able That's to put th- together. Gabe has made a distinction. I guess I recall this now that he brought it up, that, that Burden has some Jeremy Macklin in him. And if you recall, Macklin would get, not that he'd be out for a long time, but he would get hurt often mm-hmm. and would kind of be nicked up and you never knew how close to 100% he was. And as Gabe also wrote yesterday, they were Monday, I guess, there will be a Heisman Trophy campaign around him. And I think there may be one around Brady Cook because – He's a senior. This will be his third year starting, and he is likely the starting quarterback for a top at worst 15 team, possibly top 10 team. And 
barring a miracle, Missouri's undefeated when they go to College Station, Texas in October, and possibly undefeated going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I mean, that's that might be better than 50%. Uh, I really hope they can continue the momentum of 2023 into 2024 because the program took a hit when there was so much attention on the 2008 team, and they just they really were disappointing relative to what the expectations were. It wasn't like it was a terrible season, but relative to the expectations. If you can carry this momentum over and you can have that game against Oklahoma in early November mean the world, you have an event for the state of Missouri, and that carries the casual fan momentum into 2024, and that is a huge part of the program growing into, you know, what most schools have in the SEC, and that is it is an event, and it's something that's talked about year-round. And it can be sustainable. Yes. Clemson was not always Clemson. No. Georgia was not always Georgia. There's revisionist history on blue bloods. You know, I mean, Ohio State has been a blue blood for, you know, ever, really. I mean, I don't know if you go back 100 years, but, you know, for my lifetime, certainly. But even Alabama. Alabama. Mike Shula and Mike mm-hmm. DeBose. Yeah. You know, Perkins was there. It was, it was, that was, a, I think, Franchione was there for a year or Was something. it John Parker Wilson? Was he in there? Was he? Oh, first, I think that was Nick Saban's first quarterback. Oh, is that they went right? Like six and, yeah. I mean, it kind of who was the old big red coach that was in Gene Stallings. Stallings. He won a national championship. Yeah, he did there. well there. He won a national championship yeah. there. He kind of picked it up, but there was he didn't take over for Bear Bryant though. There was somebody. There were some people. No, in that was Perkins. I think. Is that right? Bear Bryant. I think. Um, so I, you know, and it was interesting to me, and I can't recall. Oh yeah, it was that SEC podcast thing. Jackson, are you around and available? Not doing time cards for stuff. Uh, you follow that SEC podcast on Twitter, and we mm-hmm. talked to think about on, on TMA that they released because Doug's a big power rankings guy. You always sure. you like Lenardi's yeah. bracketology, especially and a year or two out. Right, uh, and they had Missouri at four, mm-hmm. and you know just because I was I was in a good mood yesterday, so I decided to read comments. Uh, to kind of bring me down and experience mm-hmm. some mental and emotional equilibrium. Well, you don't want to feel too good. That's about exactly yourself. right. Just bring me down, and uh, and it was really interesting to me that there was a bunch of there were a bunch of people SEC fans saying you've got Missouri too low, and these weren't like Mizzou guys. You know, these weren't like Gabe's clients. These were these were SEC people, and I think again, it's a bowl game, but it, it speaks to what we talked about a little bit yesterday. The fact that Missouri beat a blue blood, albeit Ohio State, not necessarily Ohio State as they were in November, that was kind of the okay, you're part of the club moment for a lot of SEC schools because that number one, they hate Ohio State, and number two, they view Ohio State as legitimate, even if that wasn't the Ohio State team that that went up to Ann Arbor. It's still Ohio State, and we hate Ohio State, and now Missouri at 11-2. and two, Is that what they finished, right, 11-2? Mm-hmm. That's, that's legitimate. You lose to Ohio State, and then your best win is Tennessee, I guess. I don't know. Kentucky, K-State, I have no idea. Because I was saying to Jackson yesterday, I thought Missouri's most important impressive performance of the season was Georgia. I, I mean, and I don't even sweat that. I think that that is without question. They were played that game so damn well. It's just Georgia played a perfect game. And it seemed uh, to the public, I think, un- impossible for Missouri to compete with Georgia, especially in Athens. And you look back on that game and you go, holy crap, they went into Athens and they were right there to win that game. You know, a bad interception. And even in hindsight, the casual fan, the non-Missouri, non-Georgia fan looked at that and they saw... They pushed Georgia right to the brink, yeah. and it could have gone easily the other way. It absolutely just could like that. It and really right, could That's what put them on the map. Because even as a fan going in, I'm like, God, I could see them winning this game. I really could, but I could also see them getting blown out. That was the moment I go, okay. And it was because I'm watching offensive line and defensive line play, and they were right there with them. You carry that momentum over as far as line play goes, and you can play with anybody. And, uh, and that's why I would have, you know, even though it sounds ridiculous, I think Missouri could have beaten anybody in the country this year. I also think 2023 college football is different than, you know, if you remember the 90s, the Nebraska and Florida State teams, mm-hmm. that 2001 Miami team, is that the one that had, now they got banged in the by a terrible pass interference call and lost to Ohio State. One of those State. Miami teams had... Like, like 43 players made it to the NFL. It's unbelievable when you look at that roster. Like six first rounders. <laughs> yeah. That was like the Ed Reed. I know. I think he was yeah. part of it anyway. Same. But either way, you had. It seemed like, and certainly some of these Alabama teams, 
where they were just up here and then there was everybody else. This is a year where I think if you had the college football playoff, if, you know, I won't use Missouri as an example, but Ohio State, certainly, the real Ohio State, could have absolutely won the national championship. And it sounds counterintuitive, especially when you have two undefeated teams playing for a championship. Of course they could. But but it's not like you look at Washington and go, oh, my God, Washington had near-death experiences with a number of pedestrian teams and uh, in Michigan. And I don't think people look at Michigan as a, holy crap, that's up there with, uh, you know, those 1990s Nebraska teams or some of these Alabama teams that we've seen. Or LSU, 2019 LSU might be the best team I've ever seen. It was just a one-year-and-done thing. And what? some people thought with this transfer portal that the Blue Bloods will bogart all the top players and, instead, and it will get more top-heavy, and it seems the opposite is it, happening. It, it's, it's been a big positive, at least mm-hmm. in the short term, for, for Missouri and Ole Miss. Want to rewind? You were talking about the old Nebraska team. Wasn't their average uh, winning margin? Wasn't it something like seventy-six oh to eight? <laughs> it was, like that. Yep. Anytime they played Missouri, it was mm. about that. It was nuts. And then I guess Barry Switzer, and he's a bootleggers boy. Is that right? He sure was. Uh, he uh, he had that going in Oklahoma for a time. Yeah. Miami in the eighties. Yeah, they would skull pound everybody. I mean, holy crap. And I just yeah, don't think that's what was the back. case this year. And it's not like it's a product of the era because just five years ago you had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson playing together. But I don't think that even – well, one of them, you're going to have an undefeated champion. You know you're going to. But I don't think people look at 2023 Michigan or 2023 Washington as one of the greatest college football teams ever. That's not a shot at them. I think it just speaks to – this was a year of great depth at the top. It just wasn't one or two teams being in another world. If they can figure out, and if the playoff might be the solution, if they can figure out how to get parity, the excitement in the games in the years to come is going to be Well, the ratings, the I don't know if you saw the ratings. Jackson, you sent that over as a link, right? The ratings for the Alabama and, yeah. uh, I mean, college football is... For as much, you know, as like Takesmithing and Orlowski were talking about the crisis that is the bowl game. I mean, people were, you know, the, the bowl game, but well before the, this crap this week. Uh, people are locked into college football, and it broke a record, I believe, or it's the second highest rated game in the last decade. Its peak was the best of any college football playoff game. Okay. The peak between Alabama and Michigan. 32.8 million. And then even that, you know, midnight affair between Washington and Texas still had 19 million viewers. Um, which I believe was also uh, one of the top college football games, not of all time, by any means one of the they top. They might shows. want to move those games up an hour. I don't know. what the, the, You also sent a link yesterday, and I wanted to click on it and read it, but I haven't had a chance yet about why these games are starting so late. Yeah. Uh, here it is. Yeah, why do college football playoff games have to start so late? Did you read that? Uh, I've, I've glanced over it, but it was more of an opinion piece, so it was like uh, I'll send it over, but it's not. there's yeah. not as much substance to okay. it. Especially the Rose Bowl. I understand it traditionally starts when it does, but... You know, that's that the granddaddy of them all. That that Rose Bowl group, God almighty. Yeah. I mean, they were the ones that really kept the playoff from happening for a number of years because they were adamant about having Big Ten and Pac-12. Is that Pac-10. the bowl committee that Brian Hinchin serves on? I thought he I was a... on that Pop-Tart Bowl, and he was really oh. played a big role in the live mascot getting eaten. I'm campaigning to be part of the Blue Bonnet Bowl myself. Are you? That used to exist. Yeah. What, I wonder what the Blue Bonnet Bowl is now. Used to be the, remember, it was the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl there for a while. Astro They played, the, they played right. the Astro Bowl, Astrodome. Is that right? Great uh-huh. facility. Mm. <laughs> Bad News Bears had a win there. Yeah, they did. And let Bob play. Watson let said, them let play. them play. Let them play. <laughs> so the issue is the Rose Bowl wanted the game to start at 5 Eastern. So that is, and the reason is they want the sunset in the fourth quarter. Oh, God. And everyone just says, okay, whatever. Do people just go along with that? Who cares? I'm actually on board with that. Boy, I'm going to. Oh, God, F off. Now we know balloon party's topic today. Uniform talk, here it comes. Let's all go vacation in California because we saw the sunset. We don't get a sunset here. I love the sun setting on the Rose Bowl. Oh, you bastards. Oh, you bastards. Couldn't that be when the game ends? Uh, you show that sunset uh, while going uh, into the first game before everybody's in bed? Oh, my God. The Rose Bowl wants to start at 5 p.m. Eastern to prever- preserve tradition and its precious sunset. So be it. Start the Sugar Bowl at 1 Eastern and fill the night slate with the ReliQuest Bowls of the world. Would the ratings really take that big of a hit? After all, this is an entity that has routinely aired its games on New Year's Eve. That is true. Next year. How about this? This is wonderful. You will have four, I guess it'll be quarterfinal games. That would stand to reason, hence the name quarter. 
four quarterfinal games. One will be on New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day next year, or this year, is, uh, I guess it's next year. But the point being, this oh. coming season uh, is on a Wednesday. So New Year's Eve's on a Tuesday. You'll have one quarterfinal game on New Year's Eve, and you'll have three quarterfinal games on New Year's Day. Oh, oh gosh. Oh. Will we see any sunsets? Oops. Can we not take video of a sunset All and just play that? Nice Here's what the sunset sunsets. would look like had we started the game at a different time. Last year, they had the college football playoff was in on New Year's Eve because uh, Ohio State missed that kick like right at the strike of midnight. That's right. I was having dinner at Pauly Bottoms. I remember watching oh, it right. on my phone. Yeah, yeah, that, Lamba. That, Chicken they should always do it on New Year's Eve. That's the best because then who gives a damn about what time it ends? And you still get the sunset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even before the Rose Bowl went late, I said to my wife, I said, I'm not staying up for this thing. I don't. I mean, I, I don't I don't care. I mean, I guess if it were Michigan-Alabama, it might have been more attractive. I mean, Michigan-Alabama at the Rose Bowl is about as perfect yeah. as it could possibly be. So that was a win. But I didn't realize the Rose Bowl had this thing with the sunset. <laughs> because that's going to make somebody watching decide to buy more sure. from the advertisers. <gasps> Holy the sunset. crap. Because I was thinking to myself, God, this is a really late start for the Sugar Bowl, but maybe this is what they always do. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to bed. It doesn't matter. But it's because of that effing sunset. Now I don't like the sunset. I'm out on the Rose Bowl. You're Not done. Crazy. You just sold all Finish your stock. The granddaddy Pasadena is overrated anyways. I do like the golf course at Ketty Corner to that, though. Looks nice. You've done a lot of time in Pasadena. Is that right? No, I'm just kidding. I just oh. saw the overhead shot of the golf course and read yeah. a little bit about it. I've been it. to L.A., but I've never been to Pasadena. It's just a little north, right? North of, of Dodger Stadium, right? I think so, yeah. I want to go to Chavez Ravine. I want to go to the Great Ballpark. Chavez nah, Ravine is fabulous. Great Ballpark. Doug, it's in a hole. It's in a ravine. It looks so Is cool, it a nice but hole? people call it Bill's Ravine. It, they don't call it Bill's Ravine Do they start every game to get the sunset in the seventh inning? <laughs> that's correct. Vin Scully. Ah, yes, 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 yes. No, base, baseball fields, you aim it away from the sunset. That's right. Oh, home plate's always And do you think that's eight. hurt America's pastime? It's killed it. And that why viewership going down each and every year? It is, because you never see a sunset. <laughs> and that's because Bailey's moved the sun. Yeah, the last thing you want is the sun setting the over sun the center field wall. <laughs> God, I had halftime of the Sugar Bowl came at 10.45 Eastern. I watched, like, almost through the second quarter. I'm like, this is stupid. I have to go to work the next day. I've been off 10 days. I, I tried to go yeah, to sleep with it on about the third quarter. I had it on in the background. Yeah. And then a play would happen. Well, I better see what's going on. and wound up watching the whole darn thing. Oh, when you hear, if it's on in the background, you hear, oh, yeah. what a big play. Mm-hmm. Right. And the <laughs> thing is, I mean, it's Texas, which certainly is, is a heritage program. And Washington, I mean, not that it has the same equity of the other three schools, but they've also been in the college football playoff, and it was a great game. And, you know, it it was buried at ending at midnight central, 1 a.m. on the East Coast. Not even East Coast. You could be in effing Tennessee. Uh, did the Sugar Bowl ever end? I won't watch a sporting event that I know I won't see the ending. I'm guessing many others on the East Coast also didn't watch a 9 p.m. kickoff. That's from... Uh, yeah. Gentleman who's a sports media critic, uh, Bobby Greenberg. You know Bobby Greenberg? Sure, Greeny. Well, they Six do that dollars. on some of the baseball playoff games now, too. They start them super late. and I just I don't get that at all. Why you wouldn't want to showcase it's some of It's Jackson and his effing sunset. Worth it. It isn't. Why would you say that? <laughs> is the aesthetically well, most I can't believe that this. I think you're. I think you've morphed into Arlowski and you're now just doing a take. No, dude. Like the, it was the best looking game I've seen in a long time. Michigan, Bama, at sunset at the Rose Bowl. It's outstanding. Who it's cares what, what the sunset is doing? Nick it's... Saban looked like he was staring into an eclipse for the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Is this what you talk about when you're in a house with those 20 boys? <laughs> Must be. Mm, I like the aesthetically pleasing games. It's well, all I mean, decorators. If, like, that's, that's the cool thing about the Rose Bowl is that it plays at sunset. It's gorgeous. I, just, I love that. And I think well, do, what, what do you say to the because Brian Henschen's also on the Sugar Bowl committee? What do you say to the people at the Sugar Bowl? Let's get out of the dome stadium. I give a damn about a dome. I stadium. agree. You want to talk? You go from one of the most aesthetically pleasing venues to that effing thing. Yeah, dude, it's but like it's that's also January. Jan- even in New but Orleans, building. Cold. I mean, we've been we were there for the Super Bowl together, and I'm sure we went to a bunch of Rams Saints games. That thing's garbage. Yeah. I mean, that thing is 
garbage. Cookie well, cutter it nonsense. Is. Like I, I don't want to look at that. I'd much rather watch the sunset. And then... I can't tell the difference when I'm watching a game, game in Glendale and Houston. Right. And what's the other one? No, uh, I feel yeah. like I'm missing another one. Indianapolis. Roof. It's ironic that a lot of the Sun Belt cities are the ones with the dome stadiums. Atlanta, that's where the money is. Dallas, they want Houston, retractable roofs. Phoenix. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got Minneapolis, and it's got an open air stadium for yeah. when the Twins go into a deep run. So I will take the the uniqueness of of the Pasadena of the Rose Bowl at sunset, and you know what? If that costs me some sleep, then it costs me some sleep. Jackson is right. You guys are boomers. Doug is is not liking a midnight <laughs> game ending. Is that an old person take? Probably is. I don't care. <laughs> Tough but fair. I wouldn't have liked it when I was twenty. The Superdome is absolutely awful. How do they get every big event? New Orleans, the city is trash. It's insane. That's from Harrison it, Brother Master. That's a decent question. New Orleans is a rough city. It is, but we've covered games there. It is incredibly convenient. I think it also is from the Indianapolis standpoint. Everything is there. You stay downtown and you walk there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I realize you could theoretically stay downtown in St. Louis and walk you to the run. Dome. You can run to the Dome. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't suggest walking. But the Dome, you know, we got to see Missouri take on Memphis, and that was awesome because yeah. they had two different numbers for the yard markers. Mm, you could see nice. a shadow of one. It was like Tupac's yeah. hologram. And the turf looked like it was about 50 <laughs> years old. And so it is about as aesthetically pleasing as the Superdome. Why mm. can't we get a bowl game here? Why can't we? Every other city has one. Like a sunset. We're sitting here with a Dome stadium a and can't point. get a bowl Do game? we have purple... Seats and our field catches fire. Isn't <laughs> that like leaking? Only and we sell be RC cola. Jackson, what does your new gal pal think of sunsets? Thanks, that's from the Pope. Mm. Good question. Don't answer it. <laughs> Go on to a Jackson's been briefed by counsel to <laughs> mm. handle questions that way. Yep. Mm. Good question. <laughs> I love the Pope. He can roll the rock, but Pope defeated me in the Fan Page Club Championship. He did, Doug, and he can roll the rock. Boy, I've never ten... played anybody in a match who could putt like that, MF. Or yeah. God bless America. Usually I'm like, oh, 10 feet out, I'll two-putt. And I'm like, oh, 10 feet out, he's draining it. I'm vanquished. I haven't slept since then. Really? And lag putting. Just keep yeah. it tight. God almighty. Yeah. The Superdome is trash. Games in Glendale are the best to watch on TV, only behind the Rose Bowl at Golden Hour. Doug, you like that Golden Hour? No, I don't hour? like it. Stop it. Yep. Steve Klein's dirty hat sent that in. Who, I mean, who cares what's going on on the horizon? <laughs> You're watching the game, right? I don't yeah, care but, where they play. But then they do, like, the sweeping shots around, and, and you get to see, like, the, the purple and yellow on the sky. Yeah, it's they gorgeous. see the purple derby. I don't care. If I'm interested in the, in the game, This guy's credibility is going straight down. I know. I think he's Orlovsky, and I think he's getting ready. for. He knows balloon party's going to be slow at the topics today, so he's going to come up with this nonsense. Is it possible that... I actually feel very strongly about it. Is it possible that he's just... So young that all this is new to him, that he's just now discovering the Rose <laughs> Bowl. The and, sunsets. And sunsets, you know, and we've all seen it for 60 years now. Yeah. And Okay, there it is again. You know, one of my first memories in sports was watching Texas-USC National Championship at the Rose Bowl. All-time game. That Reggie was an all-time Bush game. Versus Vince Young. And so that has a big uh, impact on my on my relationship with Footbeat. And I, the sun. I thought that was at the Orange Bowl. No, no that was Rose, Rose Bowl. Bowl. 100%, yeah. Leonard Bush, Vince Young. Yeah, that game was sick. And there was Lendale at- White couldn't pick up a critical first down, Doug. Yeah. Nice show prep. Great uniform matchup as well there. Yeah, that is a good uniform matchup. Don't you agree that the Michigan-Alabama uniform matchup, taking the sun and where it's set out of the right. equation... Pretty good uniform matchup. It was good because it, this is what they've been wearing forever. You could tell which team is which. No, Michigan, this is the first year they on. went blue. It isn't. They've looked like that for decades. No, they were maze and white for the longest they time. Were. No, they were. Oh, they're maze and blue. Maze and blue. Hey, if you're injured in a car accident and you need an attorney, you need the best one you can find. If anyone in my family or friends are ever injured in an accident, I want them to call Doug Biggs and C.D. Longo at Longo Biggs Injury Law. For nearly 10 years, Doug Biggs and C.D. Longo have been recognized as the top 40 under 40 personal injury lawyers by Super Lawyers, the National Academy of Personal Injury Attorneys and the National Trial Lawyers Association. You go online at longobigs.com. How do you spell that, Tim? I'll answer it. L-O-N-G-O-B-I-G-G-S dot com. Mm-hmm. Doug and CD are TMA listeners. They are local. They are friendly. They are professional. And most importantly, they're excellent personal injury lawyers. Go online at longobigs.com. Remember, the choice of an attorney is an important decision and should not be based solely on adverts. I have a really stupid question. That's perfect because i got to log into the email account. Okay, the, the dot com, does the com stand for computer or communication, or what does a com stand for? Uh, Mark? Uh, I thought it was commercial. 
legitimately. I thought it was commercial. Jackson, really? can you check on that for Dot me? Dot com stands for commercial. Oh, sure Mark Vegas, like a little trivia game. Nice. Oh, as opposed wrong. to .net, .gov, .org, com is for commercial. Broken clock, right twice huh. a day. Okay. This guy, yeah, you shipped yeah. it. I didn't Reward yourself with some grassies. I will. You should double down. Okay. You gonna stick in here to vote for? I think Iggy's yeah, gone. Vote for, Iggy. uh, home. He's left. Iggy's yeah. sitting out there. <laughs> he looks like John Cazale in Godfather Two. <laughs> John Cazale. Just sitting. I'm smart. I was passed over. <laughs> you can hear me too now. It's playing in the break room. Well, it's time. I gotta. We gotta go because we gotta go get our asses ripped on this sunset take down the hall. This is oh, not gonna right. go well. Okay. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the design, air, heating, and cooling email of the day. Can Buck Swope win every one of them? And Young, Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks. That's from number one Asian intern Brian Enchin, oh. a.k.a. ASMR Ting Ting 2.0. New Year, new whisper video. Kicked by the YouTube channel for a dramatic whisper reading of Ken's latest conversation with an identity-thieving porn bot. Sure, it's a very obvious fake account. But what if it's not? What if it really is a lonely woman in her mid-20s or an Algerian princess who's been kidnapped by Hindi pirates who are demanding social security numbers lest they start chopping off fingers? What then? Captain Save us strode to the rescue, baby. Wow, Brian Henschen. Brian Henschen, bowl that. executive. <laughs> All while covering the Colts and Texans game. Morning, 2024, New Year, same Cletus, continuing to use that TMA Facebook fan page as his own little personal diary. Christmas Eve, 2023, his parents are wrapping presents and children are fast asleep. Cletus Wirtz salads himself a little collection of letters and words that says, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Flower with me in Florida. Yummy. Tim told me I'm not allowed to speak my mind anymore. I'll bite my tongue. No more, no more politics. Wine emoji. Christmas morning, 2023, Cletus posts a grainy Grateful Dead clip at four in the morning that was met with exactly zero <laughs> likes and zero comments. <laughs> December 29th, 2023, Cletus comments some indescribable collection of words which roughly translated to something about not eating food and making money to play golf and drink Gatorade wine. This was met with a couple dozen gifts portraying people being confused. <laughs> December 30th, 2023, 2023, a life update to nobody stating, my ex-wife made my bed and stacked all my books for me. No likes. One comment. Short but poignant. Quote, sad. End quote. Oh. New Year's Eve 2023, Cletus posts a photo of some person or someone called Gee. Yeah. He states that this Gee <laughs> isn't playing to his normal capabilities. I think this is probably the best part of the fan page when people reference other people that absolutely no one knows. That's his son. As if they're a globally known icon, especially the people living in Cletus's hostel for twinks and twunks. New Year's Day 2024, again, four more grainy Grateful Dead clips that one person liked and, and then removed. Somebody removed the clip? January 2nd, 2024, he had it chambered all night and fired it this morning. Quote, you guessed it, another grainy Grateful Dead clip that nobody wanted. Thanks, that's from Ellen Foley's intern. Ellen Foley's intern. Great summer. Uh, more, uh, how many more years do you guys need to be at Hubbard before one masters the ability to submit a time card on their own? You'd think submitting this time card is equivalent to splitting atoms with now frequently Ken distra distracting his 23-year-old handler mid-segment to submit it for him. Also, can 2024 be the year we normalize skipping work responsibilities to search for porn in the company break room because you heard one clearly fake Twitter ad bot maybe had some OnlyFans leaks? Thanks, that's from a greasy 37-year-old busboy about to treat your daughter to sex. Oh. Greasy 37-year-old busboy about to treat your daughter to sex. <laughs> and young, given the success of my tenure as a bowl executive, I'm excited to announce that my venture for 2024 will be sponsoring the Rose Bowl Sunset. And here it is, the Rose Bowl Sunset, sponsored by ASMR Rapunzel. Make sure to find him slash her on YouTube. Subscribe and tickle that bell for notifications for a discount at all concession stands in the 400 level. Thanks, that's from number one Asian intern, Brian Henschen, a.k.a. ASMR Rapunzel 34, proud sponsor of the Sunset at the Rose Bowl. Mm. Brian Henschen, <laughs> proud sponsor, Rose Bowl Sunset. 
Does my hole taste like yours? Oh. I thought you had the black and mahi mahi last night oh. at Nobu and Jeffco. I asked Zane as I swirled his recently ejected butt plug from oh. its tushy cavity around my mouth, oh. letting the sautéed excreted bits of rock jam tempura oh. and shishoto peppers dance around my palate. I tasted, he gaped. I got a tour of his manure. Oh. Speak to me, tell me what you see, Doug. That's from the Tinky Monster. God. Yeah, the Tinky Monster's been world. suspended. Thank you. Tinky Monster, been suspended, and he's been fined. Oh, 50. he got a fine. He's been fined. Can we find people? Uh, yeah, he's got fined $50. Can we run that through Evergreen Wealth Strategies? Yeah, I approve. Tinky yeah, Monster, fined, and suspended two days' time. Okay. And finally, it's about time someone called out Big <laughs> It's about time someone called out big porn for pushing their ass-eating agenda <laughs> <laughs> on the unsuspecting masses who are just looking to rub one out to 28-year-old MILFs, 45-year-old matures, and lady boys with nice breasts over at XNXX.com. Now, the mainstream media wants us to believe that butt-eating is the number one porn search in the state of Illinois. Is that a new report? That sounds like the work of Deke Dotem's army of bots, similar to how he got Pepper and Genie nominated for Best Radio Show, despite the fact that it was never on the radio, save for commercial pot broadcast on an obscure HD2 station promoting the dormant podcast for a full calendar year. I want to give the listeners some advice. This girl named Jeremy started DMing me over the holidays. She's got a bunch of mutual friends, including Jakey, Jakey, Big Mistakey. Nope, different Jakey, my mistakey. Anyway, I play along with these girls. She sent me a picture of her and her daughter and talked about how lonely she was. And then she said she needed help with food and asked me about the size of my ween. Look at this. Look at that. Anyway, if any girl named Jeremy slides in here, DMs, asking about the size of your ween, you go ahead and block them. If you'll excuse me, I need to fill out my time card. Nope, my boy boss, who likes to spend his vacations bunking with dozens of other men, did that for me. Now I can go back to work searching for Lil Miss Laura OnlyFans leak. Happy New Year. It's my birthday in eight days. That's from Buck Swoop. Oh, Buck Swoop with a nice email. That's what we have email. for the Design Air Heating and Cooling email today. What you got? Well, there were some good ones. Buck Swoop right there at the end was pretty good. Ellen Foley's intern was yeah. pretty good, although he... Bash Cletus, and I like Cletus. I'm going to vote for Brian Henson's first email. Wow. Brian Henson. Brian Henson, bowl executive, right? Bowl executive, his first one. I'm going to break the streak. It's not going to be Buck Swope because I'm going Brian Henson. Oh, Brian Henson! Oh, are you really? Buck Swope will not okay. win every email this year. I thought Alan Foley got screwed. God, I mean, I was going to be put Bash to the Cletus. test, but I didn't even have to. Mark Hanna came in. Yeah. And, hey, sponsors rules, Doug. Mm -hmm. Sponsors rules. For sure. Mark Hanna, thank you for sitting in for the 9 o'clock hour. And Iggy's probably even more grateful because he got to sit out there like Fredo. Anything to avoid working. He'll complain about it, but he's loving it. (laughs) Time for us to shut it down. Jackson and I are going to go talk about the sunset at the Rose Bowl for an hour on 101 ESPN, and they're not going to be happy about that. Uh, For the Plowhawk, for Jackson, for Mark Hanna, for Kenneth Iggy Strode, for my brother Kevin, for Douglas Elvin Vaughn, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been The Morning After, presented to you by Brown and Crouppen.